The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chi-town, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Rule of Three podcast, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, Brandon Robinson, and Danny Meehan. As we right now get to unpack, it is 11.10 Central Time, and just a couple minutes ago, yet another tweet surfaced about how the Seahawks are reportedly listening to offers on Russell Wilson from all four of Wilson's like named teams. That obviously includes our beloved Chicago Bears, and I think that is nothing short of bananas, given that I, I would love to give you guys some kind of itinerary. I hope on this show that we're going to be talking about everything from salary cap to quarterback options that aren't Russ, but I feel like we have to start with Russell Wilson, because this is somebody that I think is right up there with Deshaun Watson in terms of playing level. Obviously, he comes with Super Bowl experience and a pedigree that's nothing short of amazing in terms of what his teammates will say about him and the effect he has on an offense. And the fact that this this what should be a pipe dream, what shouldn't even be a, an, an available move on Madden might happen is nothing short of jaw-dropping, and I never would have believed it a couple months ago. Danny, Brenton, how are y'all feeling? Am I the only one who's just getting stoked up on hype right now? Absolutely not. I mean, every time a new quarterback says that he hates his team, I just get that much more excited. I, I, I can't I can't be more excited because I mean the Bears have never had a quarterback like this ever. So even the even the slightest chance of grabbing one is uh, it's it's outstanding. It, it's amazing. I mean, especially given the like somebody talked about Mar. It's so funny. So Mar Mar Thompson in the chat says talks about how like what how awful would it be if Russ went to the Packers. The best part is that's not even on the table. I feel like the Bears have had to rival or kind of uh, compete against their division rival uh, for the last bunch of big moves they made. They competed with the Packers for Allen Robinson. A whole lot of Packers fans were really mad when the Bears landed Mac, and they didn't. But in this case, Russ's no-trade clause means that's not even an option. That's not something that they're considering. And sure, things could potentially change, but this is wild because between the Cowboys, who have Dak Prescott, the Saints, who have a terrifying salary cap situation to manage, the Raiders, who they have Derek Carr and they've committed a lot to him, but hey, they are in play. 
the Bears actually feel like they have a real shot at winning this race if he gets dealt at all. And I know it's just early March hope, but it's wild to think that the Bears aren't in position where they're on that list on accident. They could very realistically end up with, I guess he'd be, what is it, number 16, not number three on account of Bronco Nagurski, uh, playing under center for them next season. Danny, how are you feeling about it? I mean, I'm obviously excited about the possibility. I, I just tend to be a lot more measured in how I feel about things because it's just my nature. You know, I <laughs> maybe it's just the distraught, you know, scorned fan that I've been my whole life that literally I'm not allowed to have nice things as a Chicago sports fan. But, I mean, it's hard to not have some sort of building hope and anticipation, especially when, like you guys pointed out, like, there's really no reason that the Raiders are in play because everything it sounds like building up wise that they're going to extend car at some point. And then you look at new Orleans and you're just all of a sudden looking at that and you're kind of like, well, there's 60 million in the hole. There's for all the assumption of, yeah, breeze is going to retire. He has not retired yet. And he's posting videos of himself working out. He may shock the world and just say, screw it, I'm coming back. Now, is he cooked? Yes, he's cooked. He's not He's not great anymore. He's probably not even really that good. But then you finally get back to the – who was the final team? It was the Bears, the, the Raiders, the Saints, the Cowboys. Saints and Dallas, the Cowboys. baby. And, and I just don't see a world where Jerry moves on from his quarterback that he drafted and they developed. Like, it's a very hard thing. I mean, maybe the deterrent is he wants to be the second highest paid quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes from everyone's best guess. But, I mean, then you boil it down and there's only one logical team, and that is the Chicago Bears. And it also kind of helps from every other team dealing with the Bears' perspective is you know what they need. You know what they want. They're already dealing from a point of, being disadvantaged where you can, for lack of a better term, bend them over a barrel and just take what you want from them. You could theoretically, the phone call could go, Brian Pace picks up the phone and the, what do you want? <laughs> He's available. What do you right. want? And that's kind of where the conversation starts. And I think something could, to your point, yeah. that's a little ridiculous. So this is the rare moment where I can't believe I'm going to say this. And I'm not one, honestly, to talk about whether a coach should or shouldn't be fired. Like, I'll give an opinion, but I try not to tie myself to it. But, Dan, I'll tell you what. I don't know if a new GM would be quite as hell-bent on trading everything for a guy like Russ as Pace is going to be. I mean, you've got a GM who's in as close to a reported lame duck year as somebody's going to get. There's nobody who's going to offer you more in terms of what they can offer, like a higher percentage of their available resources than Ryan Pace of the Chicago Bears, which has to make Bears fans feel weirdly good in this kind of moment. I mean, you can feel a couple different ways about it. I mean, you can feel good, but also understand you're, going to be getting gutted gutted and might not have any high round picks for three years but that's the price to play poker in a sense I, I want to be clear here when I'm saying this that it's not just the Russell Wilson or even more far-fetched Deshaun Watson idea 
This is any quarterback that they potentially want to trade for. Their price is just higher when they're on the phone because everyone knows. If they all of a sudden default to Las Vegas because Russ and the Seattle Seahawks mend their fences, which I it doesn't sound like it's too terribly likely, but I'm also not going to say it's not going to happen, and they want Mariota. What might be a fifth-round pick for one team might be a third-round pick for the Bears because they just know that this is what you need. Or what might be a seventh for Minshew might be a fifth for the Bears. It's just the nature of how they are right now. Absolutely. I mean, to your point, I'm just in the world of warning fans because I'm okay with this, but you probably should think about what you think about it. There's a decent likelihood here, and B, I'd love to hear what you think about compensation, that the Bears give up something on the order of three first-round picks. I mean, they could give up three first-round picks and more. You could see Darnell Mooney leave. You could see Jalen Johnson leave. A lot of people want to bring up Khalil Mack and Kyle Fuller. And I mean, if those guys are part of the conversation, sure. But remember, trading Khalil Mack leaves the Bears with some $20 million in dead cap. And he's an incredibly expensive contract. So for a team like Seattle that would be taking on a $39 million dead cap hit, which we can go over salary cap questions if you have them, just in case people are like, I don't really know what that means. Just want to offer that. But we are, there's a much higher likelihood Seattle's looking for things that we care about and see as valuable, which is not to say that we don't see Mac as valuable. It's more to say he's being paid what he's worth, whereas Mooney is as cheap as they come. Either way, I am fine paying all these prices to get somebody like Russell Wilson, who's taken a Seattle roster that honestly I don't think is incredibly good to the playoffs his entire career. The Super Bowl be darned. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. The, the fact that Russell Wilson is able to so consistently win in spite of terrible offensive line play, he could come to Chicago and, hey, as long as we do a little bit better than terrible, we should be able to enjoy much the same benefits. Brandon, does any of that resonate? Yeah, I mean, I would give up three first-round picks in, in a heartbeat. Like, I, I would give up ten first-round picks if it meant Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. Like, you, you, don't, you don't get franchise potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks like switching teams while they're still relatively young like that doesn't that doesn't happen like this is this is this is brand new for the NFL um I mean I think the compensation is a really interesting talk because I think when you talk about the Texans and Seahawks I think they'd be looking for as far as players go like completely opposite they're completely opposite of the spectrum because I think the Texans would really want Darnell Mooney because, as you said, he's young, he's under contract, and they only have who Brandon Cooks basically under contract, so they would they would really need him. But then you look at the Seahawks, and they have DK, they have Tyler Lockett, and they want to run the ball, so they probably probably wouldn't want him. But who they would want is David Montgomery. Because they lost, they're losing Chris Carson to free agency, and David Montgomery still on his rookie deal, and he's I mean he's, he's pretty good. So he's a Seahawks he, running back like that. Right. It's a lot. He would it's he a, would probably really be a, point, yeah yeah he'd probably be a very valuable piece in that trade. But then with Mac, I would probably disagree just from the Seahawks perspective because I think where they would transition if they got rid of Wilson, would be to run the ball and play good defense. 
And so they uh, need a net, they need an edge rusher. They wouldn't be acquiring like a ridiculous cap hit that the Bears would be losing because they did they they weren't the teams that that restructured Mac two times already. So they would just be picking up the base salary, which really isn't that much when you're talking about a guy like Cleo Mack, and he's still just 30 years old. Um, I think they would hire highly value him in a in a deal as well. I think you talk about Mac. Montgomery and three ones for Russell Wilson. I think that's a, I think they would like that quite a bit. So the only thing I may personally differentiate here on is I, we, we've seen the idea that he thinks that he's a missing piece to a championship level defense. It's, mm-hmm. it's on the decline, but I don't think the appeal is as much there for a 32 year old quarterback who wants to compete if you trade one of the seven best defenders in football. I right. think that Lou, I think that lowers the appeal. I do agree with you on Montgomery. I think if he, if there is a deal to be made, especially after the year he had, I think he was what third or fourth in the league in rushing proved to be a very good, if not just capable back who you can build a, a, a stable with where you can just throw guys with him and he can, he can run with them. The guy I would think they'd be interested in, especially because they do tend to stay in that more cover three shell. You know, they got Jamal Williams, or not Jamal Williams, Jamal Adams, who is their little chess piece that goes anywhere and everywhere. They've got Bobby Wagner in the middle, and they still run a 40 front more times than not. You know who fits really well next to Bobby Wagner as a will? Roquan. That's who I think they'd be interested in, especially because they don't got to pay him yet. It's a really interesting thought, and honestly, I'm not 100% sure what they would want because, again... I, it's a I look game. at this. Well, I look at this situation. I think the biggest question that anybody has for Seattle is how in the world did it get to this point? I mean, with Houston, it makes sense, right? Bill O'Brien happened. He trades DeAndre Hopkins. He like basically seems to make all of the wrong moves as if he's trying to screw up his franchise. And a 25 year old who wants to have a nice career ahead of him says, "No, I don't want to play for this organization." And I think we can agree it's totally understandable. On the other hand, you've got Seattle, who has a 32-year-old quarterback who's won a Super Bowl with them, going to be 33, and all of a sudden, this guy, who seems to be headed for the Hall of Fame, says, I think I'm done here, and if you guys are like me, I kind of whipped my head around, like, what? What in the world? And Especially when you factor in something like he's never had a losing season there, ever. Right. The worst he's been is, I think, 9-7. and So the idea that Russell wants to move has always been kind of weird to me. And like you're talking about, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, they want some kind of a defensive player. Truth be told, I would hand whatever it takes to get the deal done if I'm Chicago, especially because from Russ's perspective, I think the first and foremost thing that Russ wants is the purview to just throw the ball at will. And one joke that I saw on Twitter I think is worth repeating (laughs) is that there's no coach in the NFL more willing to abandon his running game than Matt Nagy is. And so if he gets Russell Wilson and Russ says, I don't ever want to see us run the ball again, you better believe Matt Nagy's going to look and be like, I think we can arrange that. And, uh, And we'll see what happens from the defensive perspective there. But it is intriguing just to think to yourself, okay, 
of all the GMs to trade away all their top-level picks, don't you think Ryan Pace, the mid-round specialist, is actually not a bad choice of a GM? Like, I've been very critical of Ryan Pace, and frankly was incredibly dissatisfied with his performance, but you put him in a situation where he has Russell Wilson and a whole bunch of mid-round picks to build up the rest of the team with, and you know what? I could feel worse with a lot of other GMs, and I'd be really excited to see what happens. I would just be worried about the very first pick because he has a bad habit of, with his very first pick, just picking a player that they need, which is what <laughs> I, I would just – I would just be I – would, I would, that's what I would be worried about. By that, about. you mean like I think that I think that really – I think that really, really screws with this process. I think that makes sense. You, you mean the idea that, okay, so let's say they cut Bobby Massey – and now they go into the draft of the hole at right tackle. But you mean the idea that, like, okay, there's a run on right tackles right before the Bears pick. Doesn't matter. He's taking the seventh best right tackle as early as he can because, dadgummit, we need a right tackle. And that's just that. That kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I think would happen. And I would hate it. Well, on the. I mean, I think you're not entirely wrong. Luckily for them, though, if that's what they do, say their first picks in the third round this coming year, at least it's a deep tackle class. Like. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what you need. Yep. I think the most interesting thing, by the way, so there's two interesting things I want to share about the Russell Wilson dealio, right? Number one is that I don't think anybody really has thought about this, but if the Bears do get Russell Wilson, so he comes with $23 million in terms of his base salary, and a lot of Bears fans may be thinking, well, how in the world do we fit that into the cap? Believe it or not, his base salary is such that you could restructure him down to about a $7 million cap hit. So if the Bears needed to just jam him under the cap for as little as he could handle and then allow him to take whatever money he wants down the road, they could get through this weird 2021 cap season by pulling off a restructure like that. Another thing, a question kind of that I have is I do wonder what these rumors and what Seattle potentially taking calls will do for the Deshaun Watson market. You got to think that Houston was sitting on Watson thinking, we've got the best quarterback available. Everybody knows he's available. We're just going to wait until draft day when somebody offers us four first-round picks. It's probably going to be the Bears. We'll pull the trigger. Or you get the idea. Something like that. Well, if Russ is on the market, you could lose one of the best suitors that you were planning on having. I'm not even saying it's Chicago. If it's anybody, what happens if the Jets decide – Ah, Houston's being ridiculous. We're just going to take a quarterback with that number two. There's a lot of good ones. They'd be right. Like, you could get a very good quarterback with the number two pick. Let's say Miami wants a quarterback. Or, shocker, they want to stick with Tua Tugavailoa. So, who's left? Who's left on Houston's suitor list that they can realistically get a deal done with if Russ is really on the market and takes one of those spots? It'll be really interesting to see what happens in Watson's market, in particular due to Russ kind of meeting him at his level in terms of overall quarterback value. Yeah, I think I think that's a really yeah. good point because I, we, I mean, we've heard from reports that the Texans aren't even picking up the phone. And so you just yeah, teams are leaving voicemails apparently. Right. You you get you get the report multiple <laughs> reports out now that the Seahawks are picking up the phone that makes a massive massive difference. It's just such a weird dynamic of what's going on in in Houston just like to kind of jump off on that a little bit because they have the 25-year-old who's not even gotten through his fifth-year option. They gave him the four or five-year extension. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Um, and he's, he's mad 
to the point where he doesn't want to be there at all. But they don't hire a coach he says he wants in the end. I mean, David Cully, who's not on anyone's list anywhere, probably because no one else wanted the job. But they're not taking calls for their superstar that could help them potentially rebuild. Their... It's a very just weird thing going on in, in, in Houston, especially when you factor in the guy that is pretty much in charge. I, I understand Casario was with the Patriots at, at like as their director of pro personnel or whatever it was. But he's only in charge of football. It seems like the guy running the organization is Easterby, who was a team chaplain with the Patriots years ago, which it makes no sort of sense of, as to what's going on. Sorry, I know we're not a, a Texans podcast, but it's like the, I'm trying to wrap my head around that whole situation down there in Houston because it makes literally no sense to me. Honestly, wrapping your head around it is a good question. But, hey, at this point with Russell Wilson potentially even like whispers of him being available, Deshaun Watson doing as much threatening as he can to try to get moved out of Houston, right now it is a bizarrely fun time to be a Bears fan. No football is not being played right now. But there's nothing that sounds better than a good quarterback that I don't have to draft already being available so that we know that maybe we'll finally get some to break a 4,000-yard passing season and set Bears records. Now, one of the cool things about us being on Locker Room for this recording is that we're able to basically take calls like a radio. So, C.T. Hill-Smith in the audience, you've requested a talk. What do you think about this whole Russell Wilson thing? Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Um, Of course, man. I'll say go Bears in the Chris Berman voice. Uh, (laughs) I'm actually a born and raised Niner fan, but I definitely respect the franchise. Obviously, I had Singletary as a linebacker coach and Head coach for a while, didn't work out great, but I still love that guy. So, what a time for the Bears. Before right? after he dropped his pants in the locker room. <laughs> so, my cousin was actually on that team and told me that is 100% legit. Oh, um, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably after because he gave my cousin a raw deal. My cousin's uh, Jason Hill. He played for Washington State and got drafted by the Niners in the third round in, I want to say, 07. That's, if that's Adrian Peterson's year, that was probably it. Um, but you know it's a good time for you guys in a sense of I think Nagy's a good coach I think you found the right coach there Um, I I like the direction the organization has went you know obviously there's been troubles at the quarterback position forever essentially Jay Cutler we thought was the answer right but wasn't enough you really needed somebody to stand up and be a true leader and uh if you guys can get Deshaun, I'm happy for you. Obviously, I'd love to have him too, but, you know, to solidify that position there would be great. It's really interesting that Russell Wilson's also interested in potentially going there based on the list that was put out by his agent. Um, I, I have a question for you guys, though, as Bears fans. Yeah. What, what do you guys think about Trubisky? And the reason I say that is because he didn't look horrible in some games this past season. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know – I don't know if it's him or it's just this isn't the right fit for him because I don't know if he's really as bad as advertised. Well, okay, um, so I'll start off and then I'll bounce the yeah. ball to uh, to Danny and Brandon. But we don't. One thing to know is that Trubisky's a bit of a sore subject. He's been talked about so so much. You said you're a Niners fan. I'm sure you feel the same way about Garoppolo in many cases, or Nick Mullins, who's gotten plenty of playing time himself. 
you can just right. talk quarterbacks to death. But I'll tie it into something you said earlier. You talked about how you like Matt Nagy. That's kind of a rare sentiment in Chicago. I would say I do. I think this podcast does, looking at you, Danny and Brandon. But yeah. a lot of people see this Matt Nagy-Trubisky relationship that ultimately resulted in some really bad offense and the Foles acquisition, which was pretty awful for most of right. that offensive tenure, as a reflection of Matt Nagy being bad. Gotcha. If you ask me, I think Trubisky is a really talented player the more that I've watched him so I spent a bunch of time watching Gardner Minshew and it really did show me that Trubisky's arm is a lot better than I gave it credit for being we went straight from Cutler who's one of the better pure arm talents I've watched to Trubisky so I thought to myself Trubisky's arm is fine that's not fair Trubisky's arm is actually pretty good especially in terms of what he can do with that rifle it's not a laser like Derek Carr but it's very very good that right. said, Trubisky's issues processing tended to mean that when he ran up against opponents that had the, the capability to defend him, like Green Bay, like New Orleans, and especially guys that could take away the run, they pushed him into a place where he didn't have any answers. The way that I would phrase it is he's fairly easy to scheme against. You just have to have the defensive talent to do it. And if you can't, you get games like the Jacksonville game where the Bears just whooped Jacksonville or the 10th Texans game where Trubisky looks like a savant throwing to wide open dudes very very easy very very calm and looks great doing it and I think a lot of that is backwards credit to Matt Nagy who can allow Trubisky to succeed in a system where anytime Trubisky has the tools to succeed he blows up the scoreboard and then when he doesn't have the tools to succeed the wheels fall off It'll be curious to see if the Bears do make a quarterback move, what the Nagy offense looks like. Because honestly, as Brandon will tell you, we've seen like four iterations so far. We've seen a McVay look-alike, a Shanahan look-alike, a West Coast pure look-alike, and then like the original Nagy gadget offense. So things keep changing. It will be interesting to see what happens. But so far, I would say Trubisky, talented, low ceiling in terms of what his mental capacity can handle. And I wish him well in wherever he goes next. Danny, Brandon, what do y'all think? I mean, for me, Trubisky is just going to be the tale of what could have been because literally, like, I I know we're all children of the internet, especially if we're using this app, but, like, it's not for lack of him being a bad, for lack of being a great guy, a hard worker, whatever. I just think in and so, especially uh, when I, I think I pinpoint the team, the the moment in my mind where he broke. It's when Harrison, when he slid and Harrison Smith hurt him. He was never the same after that because mm. he had never been hurt all through college, nothing like that. And then the dude was he's always, 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 always been durable, reliable, and a guy who who made a lot happen with his legs in terms of making plays happen on top of his passing prowess. He got to the league. He obviously struggled his rookie year under Fox. And then he had the, the as Robert put it, the, the gadget year where Matt Nagy was trying to hide deficiencies within the offense. And they went 12 and four and double doink. And we don't need to relive that again, but I just can't. One of those things. I don't think, I think he lacks in what he, I think he lacks in, being able to read the field and digest what's in front of him. I think it's just too fast almost. And and the okay. game only slows down with repetition. You're talking about a guy who only had 13 starts total in college and all that other stuff. And I know some people think it's overblown. I think you only get better by doing it kind of thing. So 
he, I think he's just going to need to continue to get reps if he were to ever, whatever small percentage it is to fulfill whatever talent he might have left or potential he may have left. But anytime I see him, and, and then so this is going back to the, the quote where he's like, I'm turning off all the TVs in Hallis Hall. I just picture the Kobe gif of him on the baseline shaking his head and going soft, soft. I think in a sense oh. he's just soft. And I, I, that's such an indictment on a, on an athlete. But it's when you're saying that, like, oh, I'm just turning the TVs off, or you're saying how you're like going through the media and almost coming off like a passive aggressive ex girlfriend when you're talking about Nick Foles, like it just comes off as like borderline soft to me, and that's I just can't get that out of my head. And it's my personal opinion. It's not the fact that I dislike the guy. I think he was a very underwhelming football player during his tenure here in Chicago. It's just what I tend to think of now when I think of Mitch. Makes sense. Brandon. And that, for, yep. for, for me, I, I think Trubisky is basically just what you view as a backup, a really talented guy that can run and can make plays and can do all those things. But when it comes to being an actual, true NFL quarterback, you want to you want a guy that's making plays, but not in the same way that you think of when you think of Trubisky. You think of you want to think of a guy that's consistent, and that doesn't mean like making sixty yard throws like Mahomes. Like that's not that's not what a normal quarterback is. It's about consistently putting your team in the position to move the ball. And Trubisky just could not get that done. Yep, makes sense. Does that answer your question, CT? Yes, it does. I've been really trying to figure that out just from the outside looking in. Like, what, what's going on with this guy? I mean, obviously, you bring, all- Foles, you bring in Foles for a reason. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. Obviously, more so bad if we could just be honest with each other. Right. But, you know, the fact that that happened said a lot about what they think of Trubisky, obviously. So, for you guys, I mean – you got an opportunity to start fresh. I personally think Trubisky, if he was in the right situation for him, maybe it works. Like you said, you know, mentally soft, maybe not able to pick up the concepts. Maybe if he had a coach that would cater to him differently, um, potentially it works. I mean, you know, Nagy is a disciple of Andy Reid, if I recall, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know the type of personalities and quarterbacks that Andy Reid typically takes and it seems like a Mitchell Trubisky personality might not fit that mold. So, you know, this is definitely good dialogue for sure. For sure. Are you asking as an idea, I'm just as an idea for like a reclamation project for, for, for little Shanny. Hey, he'll be on the market. I thought about that. I, I consider it, but I don't know if that's the way to go. I'm not going to take Trubisky and still have Jimmy Garoppolo on the team. Like, we need to figure that out if we're going to make a decision to move forward. Yeah, makes all the sense in the world. Thanks, CT, so much for coming on. I'll fade you into the background right here, and we will continue uh, moving on. In terms of other QB options, I know we talked a lot about this last week, but one thing that really stuck out to me is that if the Bears needed their cap, it dawned on me the other day because I was watching a whole bunch of WCG Bears Over Beers content with Brad Spielberger, EJ Snyder, and Jeff Burkus, who were phenomenal, by the way. Mm-hmm. And they started taking me through some of the cap things that the Bears have. And I noticed they have almost $30 million they can pick up in restructures between just white hair, Eddie Jackson, 
uh, Khalil Mack and believe it or not, Charles Leno, all four of those guys offer between five and $12 million in restructures. So if the bears needed to get a player, they absolutely have the room to do so. Do you think that kind of thing pushes forward this conversation for whether it's Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson, that an expensive quarterback trade is not only feasible, but might actually happen. And that we're not just stoking a fire that's going to go. And that's where it gets tricky because you can't restructure Mac if you're going to trade him afterwards. Right. right. Because that just adds to his dead cap that would be hit for this year. So say you restructured it and you open like 13 million, that 13 million is just going to be put back on the, on the, on the cap. And so if you spend that 13 million, then you're far, far behind from where you want to be. So that's where it gets a little tricky when you talk about quarterbacks and what you're going to do. But the good thing is with restructuring, you don't have to do it at the beginning. You don't have to do it at the end. You can do it whenever you want. You can, you can make that space come available. But they're already over the cap, and they, they, still, they, they have to franchise Allen Robinson. So it just gets, it gets, so comp- it gets so complicated because there's so much room to be made, and they have quite a few, quite a few holes. Like they don't have a safety opposite of Eddie Jackson. They probably still need to add a couple guys on the O-line for depth purposes, or they could just do what they did last year and put themselves in that position. But I, it, gets, it gets really tricky with, I don't know, like, if it, like are they going to keep Jimmy Graham just because Russell Wilson loves him? Like, <laughs> what's what's going to happen, what's think, gonna happen you there? You think that's got to be part of the, like, the conversation, though, right? Like, Jimmy is kind of like, hey, we're not going to pay you this $9 million bucks this year, but we'll cut it in half and keep you here for two more years kind of thing. Like, like I don't under, I don't know where they're going to go with Jimmy because, you know, he's expensive and he really is kind of a one trick pony this at this point in his career, unless he's catching touchdowns, he's not doing a whole lot. But at the same time, just to be totally candid, the weird thing is, Danny, so I'm going to play devil's advocate because I agree. $7 million that you could get back for Jimmy Graham and paying him $10 million, <laughs> the cut feels pretty good. You know, if if it's me, he's cut. But at the same time, Russell Wilson's had so much success with smaller guys like Darnell Mooney, or in his case, it was Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin and tons of other guys at Seattle with that same physical profile. Those guys can get you between the 20s really, really easily. And I don't mean this as any disparagement to Tyler Lockett. He's actually pretty phenomenal in the red zone. But having that cheat code tight end that, hey, all he does is catch touchdowns, but at the very least, he's really good at it. If that's what Russell needs, I mean, I'm sure Brandon would echo this. If Russell Wilson wanted like a plate of lobster hand delivered to him every Monday morning at 4:30 a.m., like I would, I would take whatever weird catch he wants and figure out the cap afterwards. <laughs> How to fit it in with Allen Robinson? It'll be challenging. But one thing that I realized is the Bears don't have to trade Kyle Fuller. You can extend him and free up some 10 million dollars on this year's cap which would keep a very good cornerback one in in Chicago as Russ comes in, there are ways to work this out. It's just going to depend on what would happen in that trade conversation, like Brandon kind of mentioned. Right, right. That's what makes it so difficult is because 
You don't want Kyle Fuller sitting on your cap with a $20 million cap hit. So you would like to extend him. But it's like, do these other teams want Kyle Fuller? Because if they want Kyle Fuller and you extend him and then trade him, then you get a gigantic dead cap. So it's it's very, very, very complicated what they're going to do with their cast space. I don't think they'll be active at all in free agency because they really can't besides tagging out Robinson and hopefully well, extending him. To your point, though, Brandon, that that's what makes Russ interesting because we saw the report come out a couple of days ago that this free agency is going to be a bloodbath because it's going to probably be about $183-85 million. So you're going to see a lot of dudes who are going to be getting cut that wouldn't normally get cut because they don't teams need to free up money. It's just the nature of the beast at this point. And if they were to hypothetically get Russ, which in my world, you know, call it 30 35%, I think is the likelihood. But the, we, Robert and I were talking pre-show before we hopped on Locker Room. It's almost the, the LeBron James effect. Because you have him, ipso facto, we want to play – with him, where you might get guys like Doug Baldwin, which I know, or not Doug Baldwin, like Golden Tate, who I know his relationship with Russell has been report was was strained in Seattle for reasons that you guys can go look up that aren't appropriate for podcast talk. Um, but I'm just using him as an example because they have a history together, where he might come for a million or two million dollars because of Russ, not just because it's the Bears. That's where even though they're going to be up against the cap-wise and they can free up by extending Fuller and extending Hick, you know, converting salary on a bunch of guys. That's where I think they may have a benefit to their to them, even if they're going to destroy their future draft capital and future cap, which I think is probably the likelihood anyway, if, to a, your, if a move like this goes down. To your point, Danny, all right, so everybody who's in this room, just go ahead and strap in. I'm about to say as as truly positive and dreamlandy a thing as I possibly could, right? So let's remember what's going on here. Normally, the league advances between 15 to $20 million in salary cap every single season. That didn't happen this year as the, as the salary cap, most of you probably know this, went from $198.2 million down to somewhere in the $180 million region. That means that in terms of the whole NFL, not only did they not gain the usual, I think it's $640 million you would expect to, that's $20 million across 32 teams, they actually lost money. You're taking money out of the pool while markets are growing. What this probably means is that we're going to see a whole bunch of way too cheap one-year deals for very good players who are just trying to ride out a season before they can go blow free agency up with the $36 million cap spike that we're expecting in 2022. This means that if the Bears traded for Russell Wilson you could kind of end up as a super team destination for a bunch of people saying, well, Russ is on the team. So yeah, I'll go play next to Eddie Goldman for $2 million and rehab my career. Well, Russ is on the team. Yeah, I'll go protect his blind side and blow, blow up the market next season. You could end up with a bunch of one-year deals that if the Bears had, I mean, any cap, they could they could sign a bunch of guys for pennies that should not be on the roster just because of the situation that surrounds them. And obviously that's a very good situation. Is it likely? Probably not. But veterans are going to have to figure things out in a season where there's just no money out there unless you want to go be a Jet or a Jet. 
I just don't even think they have the space for the five million dollar deals that you would expect on for the, for those type of guys. Like the one year five million, I I don't even think they have this cap space for that because That's after tough. Russell as, after Russell Wilson and Allen Robinson are both on the cap, they're what forty forty million dollars over the cap. At that point, so when I played with the salary cap calculator, and I can walk you guys through the move-to-move region, restructuring everybody, extending Kyle Fuller, trading Akeem Hicks, cutting Graham and Massey, and that assumes screen is cut, you still have $56 million left in cap. So let's say you trade for Wilson, you add $7 million to the cap through a restructure. Let's say that Robinson doesn't agree to an extension. Now you tag him, so you add $18 million. That leaves you $30 million if you are truly all in. If you have restructured everybody, you are as close to all in as you're going to get without restructuring Quinn, which would be a terrible idea, in my opinion. So barring, <laughs> barring a Quinn restructure, you still have 20 to 30 million, which, like you're saying, it's not a lot, but it's something if you wanted to go. Ben- I don't know. I just think some of those things take time. Like he would, yeah, we would have to, we would have, we would have to trade for. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bears would have to trade for Russ Wilson right now. Pretty much. Like, literally, right now, before before free agency. And then that would give them time to make all of those moves well, and know who they you have. say that, Brandon, because Kyle Long is stirring the pot. And he's saying something big is going to happen in a good way. All right? So, book it. Russell's coming. All right? <laughs> those who might have just chimed in, Russell is not actually coming yet. For the love of God, don't take me out of context. We don't I, know. I yeah, we don't. I mean, I never know anything. Just ask my fiance. But look, I, I don't want to. Again, I so I. It's you got to know. I'm having fun with this. It's March. You can't lose. I'm like, if the Bears end up with Alex Smith and Nick Foles next year, we're gonna we're gonna have a rough season. So I'm gonna milk this and enjoy it as much as I can. That said. I actually think it's reasonable if Russell Wilson, Brandon, you were saying on last week's show, Russell Wilson right now is hunting for legacy. He's looking for that Brady moment where he calls his shot with Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl, right? He's looking to be remembered. Would you Would you agree that's fair? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Can you imagine a, a better story as far as somebody's career? Then winning a Super Bowl in Seattle, coming to Chicago, the land where we haven't had a 4,000-yard quarterback ever, and winning a Super Bowl, especially off of your arm. It's a huge media market. Obviously, his wife has ties to the city. But in terms of just legacy, I mean, Dallas is obviously a legendary city to play in, whether you hate the Cowboys or not. The Saints have a huge fan base. The Raiders, sometimes I feel like the Raiders were more of a was team than a they are team. But that's neither here nor there. They've got a lot of league history. And the Bears are as close to a one of the most historic teams as you're going to get in the league, I'm not trying to just oversell myself, but it does mesh if you wanted to create a legacy for yourself. It, it meshes in the other thing that, and I might ruffle feathers with people. I, I know I will. I probably will. But there's something that needs to be said for everything, or not needs to be said, that I think needs to be a bit more known, that for as much as Russ is a good guy and this, that, the other, he's got an ego the size of Texas. He loves him, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can be awesome at your job, and you can have a massive ego. The most, the most 
absolutely revered athlete in the city of Chicago sports history is Michael Jordan. No one loved Michael Jordan more than Michael Jordan. He loved himself. If you don't think the idea of coming here and setting every passing record easily, there, he, he's essentially coming to a blank slate of quarterback records where the highest QB rating in Bears history is Mitchell Trubisky, a guy they're getting rid of, and the the, the it's essentially the ship has sailed. He's not coming back. He's got so much to maybe look for in terms of his legacy when he comes here, like, or if he were to come here rather, where it's like it's passing records, it's potential Super Bowls, it's it's everything you could ever want, and he's got a coach that would want to do nothing more than to help him fulfill those very dreams of, yeah, let's set every passing record ever and win a Super Bowl. Now, is it going to happen? Uh, same answer as you guys probably have. I have no idea. None. Would I like it? Absolutely. But only time will tell, us, and we can only see – what information is coming out as it comes out. Honestly, I think it's going to be hard for them to not get one of them. I I, I think it's over 50%. They get one, they get one, one of Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Oh my gosh. That is I mean, assume, cool. assuming, assuming both of them are getting traded. I think that's 100% going to happen. They just, they don't have me like, like we've been talking about. They don't have means to other, to other quarterbacks in the draft. Like these other teams can wait and see and be like, yeah, we're just going to get a quarterback in the draft because we're in position. The Jets are in position. Like they're just in the Dolphins have Tua. Like these teams that are talked about, it's they're just not the same. The the Panthers, they're in position to get a quarterback, and just the Bears aren't. And like you're talking, they're about, they're in a point of desperation. Like you're talking about Brandon. I mean, this is a bizarre season because I want to just throw everybody's brain into, oh my goodness, I hope I get it right. I think it's a 2016 draft, right? So forget what you know about Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. If memory serves, it was Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and that was it, right? Because Mariota was the year before. Those were really the two mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and then there was pretty much nobody else. Am I getting this right? Mm-hmm. So you end up looking at this season, and if you ported that quarterback class onto this year's market, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson have a lot more suitors because Dallas has to re-sign Dak or they've got no options. Carolina at eight, no chance. Atlanta at four, no chance. Miami at three, probably not a good odds. Uh, number six, no or like no chance with Philadelphia. You aren't you don't have near the options that with five realistic potential starters, whether you like Mac Jones or just think you're talking yourself into him, the point is is that when you take the twenty sixteen draft where there were only two quarterbacks, that creates a totally different quarterback right now among this twenty twenty one quarterback market. The fact that number six, Philadelphia, has a shot at a quarterback means that they don't really want to make a deal because they could draft somebody they really like. Number eight, mm-hmm. Carolina. They could draft somebody they really like. If you, Whether you like Mac Jones and Justin Fields or not, and you think that like only three of these quarterbacks matter, 
the teams will likely talk themselves into a ton of options here among this draft class. And that means that what we're sitting on is that Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, instead of being easy suitors for teams like Dallas, teams like Detroit, that have like uh, number 10, number 9, even Carolina, number 8, they they may not be as interested because they don't need to give up a war chest for somebody that's a sure thing when they think they can get the sure thing with their first round pick. It was kind of like you were talking about, Brandon. There's just not as many cards at the poker table uh, or players at the poker table. And the Bears are sitting here. They're laying their hand down. They're saying, here's what we have. You just take what you <laughs> want. Like, what if you want it, it's probably yours. Like a fire sale in terms of trying to get a quarterback. It's almost like nobody has the nerve that Pace does. And in this moment, to just say, I'm here, Well, I'm looking for a quarterback, and uh, you can keep looking other else, but I'm here, and I'm looking for a quarterback. That's like the, one of the only true benefits Pace has really shown in his time, that he's willing to do what it takes to go get his guy, for better or for worse. You look at Mitch, Anthony Miller, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney. I think they or was it Mooney or Gibson they moved up for in this past draft? Both fifth round. It, it was, was both Mooney. of them. But... It was oh you oh, so it was both of them. There Standard. <laughs> Standard really. For better mm-hmm. or worse, if Pace identifies his guy, he's gonna try to go get him with everything he's got. For better or for worse. Now, we're saying this, obviously, knowing I personally do not like that way of operation because that's how you end up in the very situation now where if you just wait at three, even if the Browns came up to number two and took Trubisky out from it, you just take Watson and you'll just say whatever. Cool. Fine. But in a sense, if you're in this position, is there a GM you'd rather have doing it? That I don't know because he's going to, like you said, Robert, he's going to just say, He's, he's like a kid who opens up his toy chest, and he's the he's the uh, super spoiled kid. And he's like, you guys can play with whatever you want, and you can have it and take it home because I don't need it anymore. Like, <laughs> he, he's going to just give you anything he wants. Now, is it going to – so me being the, the draft person that I am, and I love, like, the, the whole process of, of drafting, scouting, and whatnot, every, all the inner workings of the draft. You're gonna be parting with if this if anything goes down a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and you're going to have to deal with the repercussions later down the line. But that's in a sense why he is in this position of I don't care if you make the trade and he sucks or he gets hurt, I'm fired anyway. This isn't my problem. But if he's good and they win, I can always figure out a way to recoup draft picks at a later day. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. almost like, uh, Brandon, wouldn't you, wouldn't you almost like consider akin it to like what Les Snead does in 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 uh, Las Vegas or not Las in Los Angeles? Like he's just giving away picks because he wants to win. Right, right, exactly. And he knows that those picks are going to be later in the draft, so he just gives them away every single year. He hasn't had a pick, a first round pick, in the longest time. Like it's, I think it's going to be seven years by the time this Stafford trade is done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's it's awesome, just because like I don't have to deal with what happens. Like it's not it's not my favorite team, so it's just interesting, interesting yeah, and awesome I mean, to see what's going to happen. So I think the right, part exactly. about, by the way, speaking of that, that's kind of hard, and 
this may ruffle some feathers, but Degum, I'm going to say it anyways, right? Degum. Sometimes it feels like Your cap management. Is showing, Robert. Sometimes it feels, guys, like talking about cap management obsessively is for losers that are in the bottom half of the league that wish they were winning. Now, that's not 100% true. You need good cap management, and I'm not trying to say you don't. But the Vikings' real quality cap management got them another 7-9 and nine season, and it does not feel like it's going to get better anytime soon. There is something to be said, only something, not everything, about this idea that if you throw caution to the wind, you somehow get Russell Wilson, right? And you just go try to do what you can to win games, that you've got a better shot at winning a Super Bowl than managing the perfect team, only taking the value that you can take, putting together an incredible roster with a great coach. Take San Francisco in 2019, and, and then you lose to Tom Brady. And, and that's it. Or not, not Tom Brady. In that case, it was Patrick Mahomes. Or you put together an incredible team in Los Angeles. You take Jared Goff to the Super Bowl and you lose. That one was Tom Brady. That there's an aspect of, you know what? If you've got that guy, who cares? And that if you get, again, Russell Wilson, which is saying a lot, especially if you keep Allen Robinson all of a sudden, you may just have the pieces to actually make a Super Bowl run. And I mean, a lot of us talked ourselves into the Bears potentially showing something last year with Foles and Trubisky. So just imagine the turnaround here if if you've got a real quarterback. Honestly, anybody from Derek Carr to Matt Ryan to Russell Wilson to Deshaun Watson, and I'm sure I could think of another name if you gave me enough time to stew. I've been trying to solve this puzzle Ryan Pace gave us of like the guy you're not talking about <laughs> for like the last 24 hours. Well, it's definitely <laughs> any Mariota. The, any of those guys get me truly incredibly excited. It won't be Mariota. He's got insane incentives. If you play Mariota like a starter, you pay Mariota like a starter. He's going to cost like $15 million. But uh, there are a lot of these guys where if the Bears can get them, I get really amped up because we've got a real quarterback oh. to take a look at in an offense where we can really judge Matt Nagy, which is not to say we shouldn't with Just, Nick Foles. I said that last season. still remains true. But even more so, we've got that quarterback that we can compare to somebody else. Yeah, Just kind of rehashing what I was talking about earlier when Robert's mic cut out from Jared, um, he brought up could they announce it later. They're not going to – if they announce it after June 1st, they're not getting it. They're, you're not getting Russ without getting, giving up number 20 and then some this year. That's just not happening. They want the most current pick. They're not, it's gone. Because the, the, way, the way you have to look at it, Jared, just for future reference, when you're talking about future assets, the pick now is essentially worth a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. If you're, when you start giving away future picks, like say you're giving a future one in 2022, the 2022 pick is viewed as a second-round pick next year or in this current draft. And then so down the line, that second round pick is then viewed as a third round pick, third is viewed as a fourth, et cetera, et cetera. And keep kicking those numbers down around when you are talking about 2023's draft, 24's draft, et cetera, et cetera. Because they're not, they're so far away, you don't know what they're going to be worth. I just wanted to kind of clear that up because I didn't notice the second part of the question. Sorry about that, guys. Frankly, if we can be candid, again, we're talking like Russell Wilson, who. Is he a pipe dream? I don't know, but it's like February 3rd. Or no, it's March 3rd today. I keep telling myself it's February, but that's that's my own problem to deal with. It is but, March so, 4th, actually. Get your days even, right. Even worse. But thank you. So it's Walter Payton Day, 3-4. Uh, <laughs> but so anyways, 
Um, oh, that what, means Russell's coming today, my friends. Yeah, that'd be Walter great, wouldn't it? But so the, the point that I want to make here is that if there is one thing to worry about with Seattle, it's that the Bears could trade them four first-round picks, and it, it's worth wondering whether any of them would be any good. Like, they'd be first-round picks, but now you got Russell Wilson. How good have the Seattle first-rounders been for the last 10 years? Or Russell hasn't well, been there I mean, for that's, 10. But... That's, the same, that's the same argument for the Bears. Why do you care about your first-round picks? Pace sucks at Right. Like, exactly. So it makes you wonder if it would be enough to get the deal done for Seattle. But again, I'm willing to give them as many first-round picks as it takes. Not only has Pace traditionally struggled with first-round picks, but quarterbacks the primary pick you're looking to use or the primary position you're looking to to fix with a first round pick so if you've got that guy and it's worth knowing i think of football in terms of five-year windows i get that everybody likes to look and say well why wouldn't you get this guy now you've got quarterback position uh solidified for a decade you never know decades a long time i was a very different person two years ago. So projecting things, even as far as five years, sometimes feels a little rich on my part. But I do think Russ gives the Bears a real quarterback option between his 33-year-old season and his 38-year-old season. And that is more than enough for me to be willing to pay just about anything. So is it fair to say, Robert, you would drive your wife to the airport if it meant Russell Wilson playing in Soldier Field? You know, uh, she would. She, I probably wouldn't live to see Russell Wilson play at Soldier Field at that point. So <laughs> that's probably where I draw the line. But I would trade. I would trade just about anybody on the Bears reasonably. No, not even reasonably. I'd probably trade you anybody on the Bears currently because I think quarterback is that big a deal. And so, especially, like, what, what would you call it? Stability at the quarterback position is such a big deal that it just makes me wonder, uh, like, Brandon, uh, you, you have more playing experience than me. Danny, I'm sure you guys could talk about it too. I feel like a truly great quarterback is able to lift so many people up that it makes me wonder if guys like Anthony Miller would suddenly increase them, their own value or suddenly they'd start – maybe Anthony Miller, I, I hate to say like care more, but it makes you wonder – we've talked about how Miller's a freelancer, how well his game would mesh with I, Russ because I yeah. think it would actually look pretty good. And I, I can't tell if I'm just getting too excited. No, I think in Miller's case specifically, where he is the freelancer, and we've talked on the podcast before, Robert, where we brought up the 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 the, uh, the tandem from four years ago, Antonio Brown and and Roethlisberger, where you had the famous thing of, or your your favorite saying rather of, you could spin Ben around blindfolded seventeen times, say throw the ball, and he would find Antonio Brown, just because they had that connection. M- Miller is a dude, he doesn't really, I don't want to say he doesn't play by the rules, but he's reactionary. If he, if his slant was supposed to go four yards and and in, but he sees it's open at two yards and in, he's going to just do it because that's what he does. He's obviously, it's a very rudimentary example for those following along, but it's just, it's who he is. He's just kind of a guy who does what he wants. And it's not, necessarily a bad thing but for a guy the reason why he struggled so much I think with Mitch and in this offense to this point in his career is because there you can't be off script with that guy because he he's so mentally robotic in terms of this is where he is supposed to be at this time on this on this step of the drop he's not there crap <laughs> like 
but with Russ, Russ, I mean, and I, I will take this to whatever length people want to take it to. For as bad as the protection has been, was in Seattle two or three years ago, and as much as Russ is saying, I need, you need to stop letting me get hit, Russ is going to continue to run into sacks. That's what he does. He runs around. He, he's never going to – he doesn't like settling for what's in front of him. He's a guy who just likes to try to make things happen, and that leads to getting hit. Protection can only last for so long before the 280-pound man is going to be hitting you in the head. You know? like. Yep. So it's just something I, I, I've heard it a lot on Twitter, like, oh, you, if they just if Seattle just protects him more. Seattle's line isn't, like, markedly worse than the Bears' line is. They're not. But the difference is Russ is running around and trying to make an extra – get an extra half a second so DK gets another step on his nine round. And that leads to just another shot. It's just something I think that needs needs to be spoken out there. It makes total sense. I mean, look, Russ is not a perfect quarterback. That's gonna That could be salacious to some people. Russ is amazing. He's a Hall of Fame talent, I think, easily. But he's not a perfect quarterback. And one of the things that he does is you probably throw Joe Thomas back there and Russ would eventually take a sack off of Thomas's guy because he yes. holds the ball longer longer than just about any quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, he will hold the ball for, like in ben. one case. It, it yep. could be like seven seconds. But what I will say is that while that's the case – the hardest part, because I think this is about time we move into final thoughts. So sorry for anybody for sure. else. Uh, I, I, I actually have to run back to work. But so, uh, it was like, it, I know, right? When I look at final thoughts, I think that the, the most important thing to remember is that, like Brandon kind of talked about, if the Bears don't have their quarterback situation figured out, none of the other moves make sense. Honestly, all the way up to Allen Robinson. I would love to keep Allen Robinson. I want to keep Allen Robinson. I want to extend Allen Robinson. Can I make that any clearer that I want <laughs> Allen Robinson? He's Why going to like Allen this Robinson. tweet. If if your plan <laughs> is to is to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, Allen Robinson is is good, but he's I love him as somebody to help a rookie develop and to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback or to play with even just a good quarterback where you're trying to win and that weird middle ground where you're, you're just going to kind of be bad and maybe you know because you got to plan E and plan E isn't any good and you were well aware of that. <sighs> even Allen Robinson's deal just it kind of depends on the quarterback situation. Does Robinson want to play more for Chicago if they have Russell Wilson? Would not be shocked, you know? And and like you said, Brandon, because I keep going back to you, any move like that changes the calculus of everything else you do. Your free agency decisions change. The guys you resign change. Maybe the prices you resign them at change. And it's almost like nothing can really happen until you get to that point. So we'll see what happens. I'm curious as to whether this sort of moves well, the Bears into high gear, but we'll see. Danny, what do you think? Final thoughts. I mean, final thoughts, I, I mean, it's kind of similar to what I said I think like a week ago today, actually, um, nothing else matters this offseason until you identify that guy, whether it is ends up being hopefully Russell Wilson or maybe even, which I still think is the longest of long shots into Sean Watson or Mario. You can't go forward with any plan until there's a quarterback. 
it's it's just the nature of it. And and like I said last week, you can't trot Nick Foles back out there and be like, yeah, here he is, guys. You can't. You, you're not bringing back Trubisky. That bridge is burned. And let's be real here. I think we're all kind of over the Trubisky experiment anyway in Chicago. It you in order to move forward, you need to get that guy figured out. Now, who is it going to be? I, I truly hope it's Russ, despite what I'm probably saying coming off is, why do you hate Russ? You're saying he's running into stats and, you know, he, he's got an ego, which, yeah, go through history of any great athlete, they all have egos, every one of them. It's, it's just one of those things, like, I don't care about the rest of it. I don't care what their draft process is. I don't care about what other free agents they could be having on the mend and be talking to through back channels, because make no mistake, that is happening right now. Like, I don't care about any of it because I don't know who's under center. And I think that's where we need to get this. And I think that's why you do hear the Bears so heavily involved in whether it was Wentz or or Darnold there for, for a couple of days or Russ or Watson or Carr for a couple of days too, where it's just they know that. Matt Nagy specifically knows that because he knows his offense can't work without a quarterback. So that's my final thoughts. You just you need to find that, and then then you'll see what the working odds and ends are going forward. Makes sense to me, Brandon. Yeah, and then for me, I'm just I don't know. I I I think the more disgruntled these players become, the closer the Bears get to getting their franchise quarterback, which is a very 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 good thing. And I I think there's. As long as both of them get traded, I think the Bears have a above 50% chance of getting one of them. It feels like we're getting that way, doesn't it? Where it just it just feels like there's too many fish in the pond not to end up with one on the hook. So we'll see what happens. But either way, we will be right here with you trying to keep as things as nailed to the ground as possible. And uh, and it's going to be really exciting to watch. So that that probably does it for this episode of Rule of Three. Sorry, we didn't get to quite as many questions and answers as we would have wanted to, but there's just so much to talk about as we unpack this offense that it'll be like we we probably could have gone a whole another hour. But that said, I'm Robert Schmitz. You can find me on Twitter at Robert K Schmitz. Danny, how about you? Uh, you can find me on the twittering thing at uh, Dan Mean the numerals nine zero. And Brandon. And you can find me at BRobNFL on Twitter. Awesome. And that's going to do it for this episode of Rule of Three. We will catch you next week on the same platform. If you enjoy this, feel free to check on Windy City Gridiron for when our next show will be. We try to sort it out on the weekly. It's going to probably change a little bit so that you can jump in and offer your own opinion and feedback and get onto the show. So until next time, Bears fans, bear down. You know what it is, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, yeah, when I touch down.